Now I'm going to hand you over to Nigel, who's going to quiz the book doctors. Thank you, Cathy. Each show, we ask three readers to tell the doctors, two of our best indie bookshops, what they read last and to get ideas for their next read. This episode's two book doctors have both just been announced as regional finalists in the British Book Awards Independent Bookshop of the Year, so well done to them for that. They're from opposite ends of the country. Let's say hello to Fleur Sinclair from Seven Oaks Bookshop down in Kent and Richard Drake from the eponymous Drake the Bookshop in Stockton-on-Tees. Welcome both to the Bookseller Podcast. Hello. Hello. Hi there. So just before we get to the books, uh, let's find out a bit about the shops. Fleur, Seven Oaks Bookshop, tell us a bit more and how did you become involved? The Seven Oaks Bookshop, it's a small commuter town um, just south of London in Kent. And last year in 2018, we celebrated the 70th birthday of um, the bookshop. So it's long established in um, in the town in the same building. Um, and I am the fourth owner since it was first formed. Uh, the children of the founders of the bookshop, they're still my landlords. So um, it's all quite a family affair as it were and yeah it's you know really friendly nice bookshop with a cafe in the front and a big children's bit in the back and I hope they're friendly landlords you know so normally uh, if you get a bunch of bookshops together then the the big complaint is about the rent and the rates so you can't really Uh, compare about the rent no we can't complain about the rent and I think they feel very fondly about the fact that the bookshop is still going I think they see it as like a legacy um, from their parents so yeah we're extremely fortunate in that and yes they are very nice landlords so and what was it 70 years 70 years 70 years, God. That's great going, isn't it? It is great going, yeah. (laughs) And Richard, what's the story behind Drake the Bookshop? With the name, I'm kind of guessing that you set it up. Um, Other end of the country, other end of the timescale, absolutely, yes. From 70 years to three and a half years. Yeah, considerably different. So, um, yeah, um, once upon a time I was a teacher and... Now I'm standing in the middle of my own bookshop. So we keep blaming Matthew, my son, for this. Um, He keeps getting very grumpy and cringing every time I tell the story, but it is ultimately kind of his fault. Unfortunately, a a teacher who was getting frustrated with red tape and paperwork and bits and pieces and looking for a kind of bit of an escape. So uh, we were over in Penrith about to go and do some climbing in the mountains, looking for distractions, and came across the Wordsworth Bookshop and Cafe, which ironically enough is no longer with us, unfortunately. And um, Mel and I kind of looked at each other and we were like, we could do this, we could do this. And so that was August bank holiday. And by the time December came round, Matthew had heard enough of us banging on about this thing. And he just turned around and said, are you going to do something about it or what? So January 2015, I essentially gave my notice in with no idea how you open or run, uh, some would argue both of those things still stand, um, a bookshop. And here we are, three and a half years later, it's still here. And thrilled to bits that we're in Stockton, birthplace of the railway, being supported morning, noon and night by the fantastic people of Stockton. Um, we can open a bookshop, but it is ultimately down to them that they keep coming back and, and they do keep coming back. They're brilliant. So we love it. That's fantastic. Um, and Stockton, that was your stomping ground? We live kind of a little bit down the road. Uh, we were sort of fortunate in that there's an, an enterprise arcade, so a big old department store that you can rent a small section out of. And so we had been looking around for properties to, to rent, and then this came up. And so it's, it's a chance to test drive the business, essentially. Um, so looking back, I am considerably less grey as a consequence of that brilliant startup scheme that, that Stockton Council run that meant that first year was being able to hone our skills and cultivate relationships with customers. Um, and that has kind of carried on round the corner to where we moved to. Oh, well done, the council. It's not often you hear those words. 
Well, let's get on with some inspiration for our readers. Uh, so the first one we got here is uh, Caroline, who's a teacher from Cornwall. The last book she read was Winter by Ali Smith. She'd never read a book like it. She struggled at first, but uh, as she says, it's awesome. And normally she reads fiction. Uh, she likes a big family saga. She likes C.J. Sansom, Nothing Too Violent. Her favourite ever books, The Crimson Petal and the White by Michael Faber. We asked her, what are you looking for? And she said, a big immersive book, something long and satisfying. So, Fleur, what are you going to suggest for Caroline? Well, two suggestions, actually. I thought, I know she says that she wants a big immersive book, but she did say that she read Ali Smith against her will and she did find it awesome. So I thought if she enjoyed that experience, then she should possibly try Deborah Levy and anything by her. She's just the most fantastic writer of fiction and like her essays just about being a woman and being alive um, are, are so incredible that I think um, she should just have a little go at those, even if it's just just a little sort of one by her bed just to dip in and out of. Um, but in terms of the big book, um, I think I would suggest Washington Black by Essie Edugan. It was on the Booker shortlist this year um, and it was one of the most enjoyable novels I read last year. It's really big, it's really ambitious, it sort of crosses genres being sort of historical and science and slave trade and it sort of sweeps the reader along but there's so much sort of meaty rich detailed stuff in it I think um, hopefully she won't be disappointed. So they're my two my two recommendations. Well two very good and two very different ones there. Um Richard, uh, hopefully you're not duplicating those? I'm not, no. I've gone for a book that has a six-page cast list, which I didn't actually ever refer back to, so I think that's probably testament to it. If I'm perfectly honest, my guilty pleasure has always kind of been the huge weighty tomes of Ken Follett. So I've gone for the um, the Century Trilogy, um, starting with Fall of Giants. If you're after a big immersive book, then 850 pages certainly does the big bit. And so it's a chronicle of the 20th century from Billy Williams in 1911 who went down the pit on his first day when King George the fifth was crowned at Westminster Abbey and it intertwines from coal mining Wales London Berlin Russia Cuba the States I'm fairly certain I've forgotten lots of other places as well and so my 20th century history is pretty lame getting to the end of this trilogy I learned a lot more about the, the history of the world but you get Ken Follett's really good way of intertwining fictional characters in with the actual events that happen so partway in the second I think there's a really interesting section and scene uh, around the Berlin Wall and just after it's built and people kind of escaping which as I said earlier I'm hopeless when it comes to remembering things in books but that kind of scene and passage within there has sort of stayed with me and I think we must have been to Berlin around the time that I read that so um, yeah that's my uh, weighty tome for Caroline it may well be an obvious one that's already done but I think it is a a brilliant series. No I don't think so and I don't think Ken Follett kind of gets mentioned enough so that's excellent choices we're now going to go head into a completely different direction this is angelo who's 21 he's from nottingham he's a student and the last book he read was dracula uh, the types of books he's mentioning here catch 22 fahrenheit 451 so he's looking for something light-hearted and funny 
Could be sci-fi, doesn't have to be. So Fleur, what are you going to suggest for Angelo? Okay, Angelo, I sort of need to make an apology to begin with because (laughs) as soon as I see the phrase sci-fi, I'm afraid I just panic because I read so few things like that and I would go running for one of my colleagues, Grace, who is just like a magnificent person and just loves everything that I think um, Angelo would too. So she has given me some advice. So hold on a sec, we need to get that name (laughs) check again. This is Grace then. This is Grace who is just... Super duper well done, Grace. <laughs> and uh, first of all, she said absolutely anything, and it was like in a very sort of capitals voice um, by Terry Pratchett. Um, if he hasn't gone there already, but um, she says Good Omens is her favourite. Um, but she also mentions Tom Holt um, and a couple of books by him called Donut and When It's a Jar. And she says they're fantastically funny um, about alternative realities with a completely unwilling hero. And then there's one other one which she says which I know has been made into a film recently so he might know it too is Ready Player One which is a crazy blend of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory meets the Matrix so those are my where I've deferred that old one again But this is the beauty of bookshops, isn't it? That we are like a team of like people all with like knowledge to impart. So, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully there'll be something there for Angelo. Well, I should think so. And you saying Terry Pratchett, you know, automatically kind of takes you on to Neil Gaiman as well. So that's certainly an area worth exploring. Richard, where were you heading on this? Well, I'm going to suggest to Fleur, um, if she's not a fan of sci-fi, that uh, Dark Matter by Blake Crouch is a really brilliant novel. It's kind of Schrodinger's cat, so that existence of multiverses and all sorts of things like that. It's a, it's a thriller, but it's a really, really good one. So Angelo can have that one as well, but also Fleur, if she's not... I'm, I must admit, <laughs> I'm not a huge sci-fi fan, but that was a real interesting kind of one for me. Um, however, I saw two words on this page, uh, Kurt and Vonnegut, so I instantly went Gavin Exton's. Anything by Gavin Exton's is brilliant, but uh, The Universe versus Alex Woods would be my recommendation as a nod to Kurt Vonnegut. Alex Woods is, uh, well, he was hit by a meteorite when he was 10, and it kind of gives him a bit of a, an, an interesting future there. He, he's certainly on the spectrum. Um, his mum is a fortune teller and a single parent. Alex is a massively easy target for bullies, which is how he comes to meet up with his neighbour and eventually friend, Mr. Peterson, who points... Alex in the direction of the Kurt Vonnegut novels to the extent that they actually have a Kurt Vonnegut book group in the end. Alex is 17, but right at the start of the novel, Alex is stopped at customs with 113 grams of marijuana and full of ashes. Um, and, well, kind of chaos and curious incidents and hilarity and astrology and all sorts of stuff happen from then on. There is a twist. I, I'm, I don't ever like giving away too much i usually give less away than is on the back cover sorry are we doing a spoiler alert here they, no we're not because you can't describe or explain the thing that actually does ultimately happen in this because it is a really really novel direction that gavin takes in this um certainly came as a surprise to me and a really interesting topic it's clearly one if you have read it you can then discuss afterwards about the general topic but i've never encountered a book that talks about this topic that is ultimately discussed before so it's really interesting it's funny it's sad it's somewhere in between as well so i think um, the universe versus alex woods would be my suggestion the universe versus alex woods well that's a great choice both great choices there and our final patient is katie uh, she's from bournemouth she's 30 years old works in a cafe the last book she read was the world's wife by caroline duffy and she mostly does read poetry and literary fiction What's she looking for? Some new poetry, maybe, or something about theatre? Fleur, is this one for you, or are we asking Grace again? We like Grace. This is 
much more for me. And so I'm sort of like relaxing back in an armchair, breathing a huge <laughs> sigh of relief. Um, so thank you, Katie. Um, yes, the first book I'd recommend is The Lives and Letters of the National Theatre, which is a brilliant sort of compendium of anecdotes and all sorts, which is, um, I think it says it's selected by and edited by uh, Daniel Rosenthal. And um, it's something that I took home um, and I'm longing to read it um, because I love all those kind of fruity anecdotes by fruity old actors and things like that. It's this lovey-dom type stuff. It's lovey-dom. And there's a great quote on the back of a letter from uh, Judy Dench to David Hare that says, can't you write me a musical so that I can sit on a chair and a fur hat and nothing else and sing rude songs? (laughs) (laughs) So I think, you know, (laughs) this is like, I think that should be like really enjoyable if you wanted something about theatre. But just with the poetry, um, and this is a book which is about to come out that um, I can't wait to read. So maybe, you know, Katie and I could have our own mini book club and discuss it after it comes out. And it's the first novel um, by Ocean Vong, who won the Forward Prize and the T.S. Eliot. And he's got a new novel coming out with, I think, the nicest title i possibly ever heard uh which is on earth we're briefly gorgeous and it comes out in june so um i will read it and hopefully katie will and maybe one day we will meet in a station somewhere and discuss it whilst waiting for a delayed train something like that so there we are (laughs) in black and white obviously in black and white of course yeah (laughs) richard if you can beat that you're doing well no, um, I think this was kind of my, my slightly flur moment on here. Um, I thought poetry, uh, Brian Bilston has a new one coming out next month, so that, that kind of needs flagging up. I've, I didn't in the end write down the title of the new Brian Bilston, but that will be uh, a real brilliant one. Um, I kind of went theatre, not completely sure that I know, and then looked at literary fiction and thought, oh dear, this probably isn't going to be quite the right one. But I've gone with Anthony Harris's The Truth and Triumphs of Grace Atherton which is about a woman who's had her heart broken. She spends the first third of the book involved in a relationship with a a, a gentleman that she shouldn't. And you kind of have to go past that a little bit because she's the narrator. So it's all going to be absolutely fine and lovely and work out properly. And you're like, no, no, it's not. Grace, come along, please. But at the beginning, what happens is there is an incident in the Paris metro and her boyfriend saves the day and then is plastered all over the press, all over Europe, and it kind of is fairly obvious that these two are together, so that kind of causes a bit of a stumbling block. But the reason that I kind of went with it and thought it might work is because Grace's job is a maker of cellos and other string instruments. There is a part in there where there is a competition apparently each year in Cremona where the best um, string instrument is judged and awarded prizes. And I was absolutely fascinated by that whole, I'm not a a huge music fan or know very much about music, but the the whole part within there about the making and the the how this works and the how that works and and why you have to leave this as long as that. The backstory of how you make string instruments and cellos was a really kind of interesting part within there. And there's a a vivacious old man and a straight-talking teenager who kickstart Grace into the next chapter of her life, and they're kind of interwoven in there along the way as well so i'm prepared to be sort of frowned at on that one because it's not really what she asked for but um i I think it was a it's a a lovely book it's a really really lovely read well i think that comes into the context of that's a book that i've never heard of we always work on the basis that kathy has heard of every book so we'll assume (laughs) she has um but um but i think that sounds fascinating in a way i think it almost sort of leads us on because you can't have that now for the the book that you really want everybody to take out of your shops at the moment, which was the one I was going to leave you with. So, Fleur, if a customer comes in, what do you kind of 
keep them in the shop until they've bought a copy of? Okay, so there is one that I read um, in the summer and I was so... One of those ones where you think, oh, I'll just see what this one's like, you know, and then you're sort of 100 pages in and then it's like the middle of the night and, you know, everything's over and all you've done is just be immersed in the book. And I passed it on to colleagues and we were all like unanimous in its complete brilliance and Every customer that we've ever passed it on to has gone and said exactly the same thing. So this book is called Tomorrow, and it's by a writer called Elizabeth Taylor Russell. It's set in Denmark just after the Second World War, and it's incredibly tragic, but beautifully, brilliantly written. One of those ones where you look up after reading a sentence and go, wow. And it's a hotel novel, which I'm quite partial to. I quite like the confines of a hotel for my characters. And it's also set on an island. So there's so many sort of things that constrain it. But all the imagery, the other characters in the hotel, there's a sort of old major who married completely the wrong woman who still dresses like a young woman even though she's really ancient and has little dolls and a high-pitched voice and the characters are incredible the writing is brilliant it will make you gasp at the tragedy and awfulness of some of the things that have happened to the main character but you keep going because it's clearly the best book that's ever been written clearly obviously <laughs> yeah it, it had a hint of William Trevor about it Possibly. I mean, I think great hotel novels uh, like The Gentleman in Moscow, there's so many that sort of use that setting and and the characters and, and, and do that so well. But this one, this one really stands out and it is quite little known. So yeah. you kind of feel confident in going, aha, I bet you've not read this. Um, and, you know, so it's, it's a goodie. Yeah. That's a goodie. So that was tomorrow. That was Elizabeth Taylor Russell. And she's Elizabeth with an S, just in case. Oh, right. Just okay. Not to confuse. So there we are. Elizabeth yeah. with an S. Right. <laughs> yeah. And Richard, what do the good people of Stockton find themselves being pressed with? I'm just changing my spelling of Elizabeth to an S. So I can go <laughs> Thank you. I'm the <laughs> good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, my mum has just said she got absolutely nothing done the other day. She was reading A Gentleman in Moscow. She's really, really loving that at the moment. Um, it, there are so many, aren't there? In fact, as I'm looking around the shop thinking, do I, I do want to go with this one, but there are so many others that are out there. Come um, on, it's decision time. Yeah, no, well, I've, I've gone and I've picked up. As soon as I got this one, I, I went straight to, um, it came out last Thursday. We were very, very excited that Nuala Elwood decided to spend launch night with us. It's her second novel, and it's called Day of the Accident. It lasted about six hours in our house, across two of us reading it. Um, I have certainly never read a, a, a book so quickly, and I've never seen Mel read a, a thriller as kind of concentrated. And, you know, Sunday morning she started it, Sunday evening she'd finished it. It's a real, real brilliant page turner, and it just draws you in on every level. A young lady called Maggie has woken up from a, a coma, and her world is torn apart. She discovers that her daughter, Elspeth, has drowned in the car accident that Maggie was involved in. And Maggie knows absolutely nothing at all about this, including where her husband is, and why everyone's being a little bit sort of secretive about the whole thing, and that she can't help but feel that actually they're not telling the truth about the fact that her daughter isn't around anymore, that she is there and, and they're just kind of fobbing her off. I'm hopeless. I usually know and understand who's done it about five pages after it's finished. But there are a series of letters in here that are written, Dear Mummy, and then kind of carry on. They're so, so cleverly interwoven into the plot because partway through you think, oh, yes, yes, 
I've got it, and then no, not even close. As page turners go, we're we're really kind of recommending and um, promoting that one at the moment because it, it and it is it's absolutely brilliant. Helped obviously by the fact that Nula came in herself with the proof copy and, and gave us uh, it, it in person, which we absolutely love. That's kind of one of the joys of being a bookseller. Things like authors reading to you and handing you proofs personally is just such a, a, a lovely joy of the job. Yeah. Well, there's some great choices there. You'll find them all listed on the bookseller.com slash podcast, and they're well worth checking out. And we always end the book doctors by emphasising the real joy of buying books from a specialist bookshop and keeping our high streets vibrant. And I also wanted to flag, because i just seen it recently, I think this was on your uh, website, Richard, that you can pre-order The Secret Commonwealth, the much-anticipated second volume in Philip Pullman's The Book of Dust, from Seven Oaks Bookshop or Drake the Bookshop or your local indie. Uh, people sometimes think that uh, you can only pre-order via a rather large online retailer, but it ain't so. So in the meantime, uh, huge thanks to Fleur and to Richard and goodbye from Cathy and me and from all of us at the bookseller. So bye, both of you, and thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye. Well, weren't they great choices? And I'm going to add one more, uh, not from me, but from Mr B's down in Bath. Nick Bottomley, Mr B himself, was on podcast one, and he recommended, and we didn't get a chance to include it, Roy Jacobson's The Unseen, translated from the Norwegian by Don Bartlett and Don Shaw. I just started reading it on the train down from Edinburgh. There's something of Donald Ryan about it, maybe a hint of Annie Proulx or Alistair MacLeod, and I thought it was just a spot-on recommendation. And I think what everyone should have heard from today is that indie bookshops, specialist bookshops, they really can dig out some good stuff. So that's it from the Book Doctors. Back to you, Cathy. <laughs> 